Right. Well, as Angie says, we're coming to the end of my great series. It's actually nicked it from someone else. We are uh, coming to the end of Where Do We Grow From Here, which, as I've explained in previous sermons, is a sermon series which is being, uh, being given by Reverend Ken Benjamin, who's currently the minister of Chichester Baptist Church. And uh, he's the president at the moment for 2019 and 2020 of the Baptist Union of Great Britain, or Baptists Together, as it's also known. And he's been touring the country talking about this subject, where do we grow from here? And uh, we, I have been not copying his sermon series, because I've been altering it to fit, uh, really, and changing a few things around. But we've been looking initially at moving the goalposts, uh, realising the fact that our, the world around us has changed, is moved on, and maybe as a church in this country, we haven't been particularly good at keeping up with that change. And perhaps we need to change how we do things in order to keep up with those changes in our community. We looked at practice and principles, well, not really the practice, but mainly the principles. What are the principles behind mission? Uh, what is the starting point? Obviously, it's the Bible. And we looked at that. We also looked at the need to experiment boldly, to take risks, to be willing to fail and try again in order to, to tell as many people about Jesus and get them to give their lives to him. We looked at when Paul said that he was convinced and compelled, he was convinced of the love of Jesus Christ, demonstrated through the death on the cross, which we've been remembering this morning. And that is a thing that compelled him to tell others about that as well. And are we convinced and compelled also? We looked at the fact that healthy things grow. And therefore, we are called to grow uh, as well, rooted in Jesus. And then, not last week, because we had our all-in service, but the week before, we had on our watch. And we looked at the fact that the church in this country is dying, to be perfectly honest. It's on its way down. But can we be part of bringing it back up again? And this morning, we're going to look at Let Your Light Shine. In Ken's series, this is called Whole Life Discipleship, but I've called it Let uh, Your Light Shine. Uh, if you want to look, uh, get your Bibles, some at the back or on your phones, we're looking at Colossians chapter 3, um, verses 1 to 17. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So Colossians chapter 3. And verses 1 to 17. And we were looking at that in a moment. And the words will appear on the screen uh, as well. But I don't know if you have ever turned up somewhere and realised pretty quickly that you're wearing the wrong attire. I don't know if anyone... Put your hand up if you've ever done that. You've gone somewhere, a few of you, yeah. You've gone somewhere, maybe you didn't realise it was a black tie event and you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, or maybe it was the other way around. I remember at school, uh, the kids used to try and persuade me when I was a pupil, not a teacher, that, oh, t- have you heard, tomorrow's non-uniform day, you don't need to wear a uniform today, hoping I would turn up in non-uniform. I never, never did that. Um, or maybe um, you turned up at a party in fancy dress, and it wasn't fancy dress. Anyone done that? Or the other way around? Oh, Steve, what did you... What? You dressed up as the Bay City Rollers for a Hogmanay do. It was a formal dinner. Okay. So you tartan, flares, stuff like that, but it was, a, it was actually a black tie event. 
Never. Oh, that's, that's very embarrassing. Um, I, I, I found that uh, I, um, I get a lot of comments about what I wear. I mean, it doesn't help when I wear a Christmas jumper that flashes lights. But I remember even that when I started teaching my first proper job, and I used to get lots of comments from usually the lady teachers, but that's not very smart, is it? Or you could have shaved this morning, or, or things like that. They felt they, they had the right to tell me uh, a, a comment on my uh, appearance. I remember once when I, I sang at someone's wedding, and I, I wore jeans. I had a shirt on and everything, but a few comments about that I wore jeans. Um, I remember in my last church, there was one particular lady that um, uh, didn't like the fact that I didn't wear a, sh- a shirt and tie. And when, when she realized that her saying it direct to me didn't really make a difference, she started saying, like, have you, have you seen our regional minister? He looks so smart. He's always, always wearing a lovely suit and shirts and ties. But Paul, in this letter to, Col- to the church in Colossae, and in these verses, he talks about what we are wearing. He talks about our clothes and our appearance. But actually, that's really just a, uh, a simile, a, 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 a different way of describing what it means to be a Christian. So let's just read from chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. So he's talking to people who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have committed their lives to Jesus. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your, thing, or your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Do you realize that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are seated with Christ at the right hand right-hand side of God, a, a, place of, a place of authority and power. Not when you die, but now. Paul is saying you are now raised up with Jesus and seated on high in the heavenly realms. So set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I kind of looked at what does it mean by hidden with Christ? Well, basically, people are looking at you, and if you're a Christian, and we come to this in a bit, you should be living life differently. People are probably thinking, what on earth are you doing? They can't see what you have seen. It makes no sense that actually who you have become, the fact that you have been raised to the heavenly realms, is, is hidden from the world's around you. But verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So in other words, there is a time when Christ will be coming back. And then the whole world will know who Jesus is and who you are and you will no longer be hidden. But at the moment you are hidden. So verse 5, what does this, this new life look like? And what does your dead life look like in contrast? Well, Paul, first of all, comes up with two lists of what it means that your old old life looked like. So put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature. So Jesus has already, Paul has already said, you're up here, earth is down here. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Then second list, or you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but second list, now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self 
which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. So Paul is is drawing a contrast between, I suppose, non-Christians and Christians. This is what your life was like before you became a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what your life should be like now, and we're going to come to that in a moment. Now, by doing this, he's not saying that all non-Christians, and before you became to came to, uh, to know Jesus, that you were an an- angry sex addict. Now, he's not saying that. He's not saying that every, non- every non-Christian, every person not a follower of Jesus Christ, kind of has this checklist and going, sexual immorality, tick, got that one. Impurity, tick, got that one. Lust, got that one. Anger, rage. He's not saying that. What he will be saying, and is saying, so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you have all those things on the list, there is something seriously amiss here. Shall I read verse 11? Yeah, I'll read that, because it's verse 12 I want to talk about. Uh, Verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, that word, Scythian, slave or free. How do you pronounce that? Glad you know. Um, Basically, that was the lowest of the low, the barbarians, the heathens. Okay, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, so Christ is in you, therefore... You shouldn't be living like this, you should be living like this. And here's the checklist you should be ticking off and saying, yeah, I've got that. Got, need, need, got. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, put it on, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Jesus said to his disciples, people will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. Love is the main thing, the main events. Verse 15, so let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. So let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the spirits, singing to, from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So there you've got a picture of what it means for us to gather together and to, to do church together. But, verse 17, whatever you do, so not just what you do within the church context with other Christians, but whatever you do, whether in words, the things you say, or indeed the things you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So basically, what is Paul saying? He says, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you put on new clothes, you put on a new uniform, you put on a new self. But this is much more than just skin deep. This isn't some sort of uniform you put on to hide the fact of what you are inside. You, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is welcomed into your hearts, you are fundamentally changed. You were once dead, but now you are alive. This is a symbolism we see in baptism. So often we kind of think about baptism as in it's washing away my sin because we get the water idea of it. It's a bit like a big bath basically, isn't it? But actually I would say possibly the more important 
symbol of baptism, the one that's particular to Christianity, is that you are going to a grave, you are dying to your old self, and you're being raised with Christ into a new life. You have fundamentally changed. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. Actually, this is why baptism is so important. This is why the Bible commands you to be baptised. If you are a Christian, it's great. We've got some baptisms coming up in the new year. People are interested in baptism. And if you're sitting there and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have not been baptised, I just say to you, go and read about it in the Bible. Look it up on the internet. Baptism's really important because Jesus said it was important. So we have these contrasting lists. Purposely black and white. Purposely Paul is picking up on stereotypes. So you once were this, but now you are this. He is drawing a contrast. Your behaviour should change. Because you're changed on the inside. But is that always the way uh, with us? I should have changed the slides. You close. So I remember Jen, my wife, saying that when she worked in A&E, there was a homeless guy who uh, came into A&E and he was just, you know, he's smelly and dirty and these horrible torn clothes and just looked an absolute mess. And they felt really sorry for him and they managed to get him all washed and cleaned up and they knew, gave him a new set of clothes. He looked great. And then Jen was saying she was walking through town just a week later and she found him there with his new clothes in a bag put to one side and all his dirty clothes back on again. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is not about putting on a new clothes. It's about an inward change. It's not something you can take off and you can uh, put in a bag for when it suits you. It's not about wearing your Sunday best. I always find you can spot people who aren't used to coming to church because they usually come dressed really smartly. You know, we're not... <laughs> hmm? So what, what is that? <laughs> um, we, we don't. We don't usually wear. As, as followers of Jesus Christ, we realise that maybe we don't. It doesn't matter so much about what we wear now when we come to church. But certainly, when I was being brought up at church, you wore your Sunday best. All the ladies at a certain age wore their hats in church. They kept their hat, he, heads covered. You wore a shirt and you wore a tie. And it's not necessarily what you wore the rest of the day. I mean, as a culture, go back 100 years ago, people on Sunday put on their Sunday best. They used to parade around in their Sunday best, the stuff that they only had for Sunday. The problem is, how many, for how many of us is these new clothes that Christ has given us, this robe of righteousness, this position of authority, how many of us actually jolly put it on on a Sunday morning when we come to church? And the rest of the week we are wearing our old Close. In other words, from what Paul is saying, on Sunday you, you act one way, but the rest of the week you act another. On a Sunday you've got it from that list on verse 12 and onwards, when you're holy and you're, you're compassionate and you're kind and you're humble and you're gentle and you're patient, yet the rest of the week you're more from the first list where you're un- angry. And you slander and a filthy language comes from your lips and you lie to one another. I remember someone who was, um, became a Christian in my last church was put off church for years because when he was a, a teenager he started his first job which was in the bakery and his boss, the, 
on who owned the baker was a Christian, and yet he was horrible. A horrible, horrible person. And yet every week he would dutifully go to church every Sunday to do what was required of him. He put on his Sunday best. And yet he was a hugely bad witness to this young teenager of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because you have changed 24-7. And that's why at the end of that passage we read, Paul talks about what we should be doing when we're together, but he also says about whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You can't help but do that because you have changed. It's not just an outward uniform. While I was on sabbatical, you were going through a sermon series on Romans 12, verses uh, 1, and was it 1 to 2? I can't remember. You, you should know. You were there. Um, I wasn't. Um, and this is what it says in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, this is Paul again, but talking to the church in Rome. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer your bodies, everything you say, everything you do, everything you are, to offer this. This is your true and proper worship. But this word worship that we have in this passage, it's not the usual word that we would use for worship. You know, the idea of worship, you know, bow down like that. That's not that word. If you look to what it actually means, it's more about service or servitude. It's about religious service. It's the same word that was used for all the things the priests did in their religious duties as priests in the temple or the sacrifices or the numerous jobs and roles they had. It's that word. I suppose if I could sum it up in a word, I would say it's our ministry. The things that we do for God. But actually what Paul is saying here is that you offer everything you are, you, you, you are, your whole bodies, everything you do, everything you say as your worship, as your ministry. So we believe in the Baptist church very much in the priesthood of all believers. In other words, we are all priests. We are all ministers. I often say I'm the minister of Holy Baptist Church, but in reality we're all ministers in some sense of Holy Baptist Church. And our ministry should be our whole life. It can't help but be your whole life if you are truly changed within because it's changed who you are. It's not just I put on the dog collar and I become a minister. No, that's who I am and that's who you are. And if your ministry is only in church activities, then I would say that you are hiding your light. Because actually we are called to let our lights shine. Our um, mission statement for the next five years, well it's four years now, is this, by 2023, Holy Baptist Church will be known as a beacon of hope, a light that cannot be hidden or contained through us corporately, so as a, as a church here, but also individually when you go out and go home and go to work, God will bless our town and beyond as we minister in love and mercy. Now, I've been struggling to remember that. Who knows that off by heart? Oh, I'm very upset about that. So I'm going to sum it up in one line for you that I want you to all remember. 
Let your lights shine. Jesus' words, let your lights shine. So if you go to Disney World, anyone been to Disney World or Euro Disney? A few people, hands shot up there. I had, a, I, I had a very poor upbringing. I didn't go to Disneyland. I'm saying that because my mum and dad are over there. I've never been, and my kids won't either. Um, but if you talk to any employee of Disney, what their role is, they will tell you, my role is to make you happy. My role, my job is to make you happy, whether I'm flipping burgers or whether I'm sweeping the floor or whether I'm doing the cues on the ride or whether I'm dressed up as Mickey Mouse. My job is to make you happy. Your job as a member of this church or an attendee of the church or a follower of Jesus Christ is to let your light shine. It doesn't matter whether you're up front speaking, whether you're serving teas and coffees. It doesn't matter whether you're in church or whether you're out of church, whether you're on your home or you're at a desk at work or you're doing bowls or crocheting with groups of other people. Your job is to let your light shine. What's your job? To let your light shine. Can you remember that? If you can't remember the whole mission statement, doesn't matter. You need to remember your job is to let your light shine. So I have a, I have this, this vision. Actually, I nicked it from another church. It's not exactly mine. But having some, some sort of installation on the wall, which is full of empty light bulb sockets. And every time someone becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, you plug a bulb in. And what happens to the bulb? It shines, yes. This should work. I should, should don't take up magic, Martin. I paid a fortune for this. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, oh, let your light. Ah, oh, there we go. Let your light shine. There we go. Thank you. It's not worth clapping. It really isn't. I'm, I'm sending that back to Amazon. Every time someone becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, we get a bulb and we plug it in. I want to see a whole wall full of lights. Bulbs lit up. People who were once dead are now alive. They once were in darkness, but now they are in light. Their old self is gone. Their new self has come. Their old behaviours are going. Their new behaviours are beginning. I want to see that. And we, we see that by letting our light shine. Because light is contagious. And we pass it on. And we see more people starting to shine. That is what I want to see in this church. And I just want to talk about practically just a couple of things that we will be doing in the next few years and beyond where we, it's all going to be about us letting our light shine. And the two things are, one is LICC Frontlines and the other one is Alternative uh, Gatherings. And I've got two videos I'm going to show you. So the first one just... Uh, LICC front lines. Have we got the sound on? Here we go. Take our lives, our ordinary lives. 
in Lent 2020, we will be doing a sermon series on whole life worship. In fact, we're going to be having a, um, a day-long seminar in this church, which other churches will be involved in at the beginning of that, about whole life worship. And really, it's how do we as a church recognise, and we have spoken on this before, you might have done, remember we did a sermon series called Life on the Front Line, recognising the fact that each of us has a front line, a place where God has put us in contact with people that don't know Jesus Christ. And that we are called to let our light shine. And that everything we do, whether we like it or whether we don't, because not all of us are in jobs or doing things that we like, but actually all of us are called to do it in the name of Jesus and to let our light shine. And we're going to be looking at how, as a church, we can start to focus more on that. Start to raise up people who are ministering, not in a traditional sense. Here's a children's minister, here's the, here's the, uh, the senior minister, but actually all of us are ministers. And how we can hear those stories. Because there are people in our church who are letting their light shine. And when I thought about it, there's loads of them, so forgive me if I don't mention your name, I'm going to mention three. There's Clive, who goes over to Gracewell with a group of, of other people, and they let their light shine, and they read papers, and they do services. Gracewell's the residential home just over there. I'm thinking of Sandy at school, and I, I went to visit Sandy at her school, and doing an amazing job, got outstanding from Ofsted, which is amazing, and she is letting her light shine by being a head teacher of that school. Think of Chris and Dennis living on just down there on the Court Lodge estate. They are letting their light shine. And you're letting your light shine as a church corporately as well when we raise money for those treat boxes. We raised, you gave over a thousand pounds for those treat boxes. Boxes where we would give to needy families, families that maybe can't afford the They'd have a, a really good Christmas. Just some treats, just some nice stuff for them to enjoy. We didn't spend the whole thousand pounds, so I'm off on holiday next month. So thank you. Um, but actually, we're letting our light shine. Already, texts and Christmas cards have started to come in from those, uh, I think it was it 14 families, I think. Yeah, Chris, was it 14? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, from some of those families saying, thank you. Thank you so much. In fact, I think one um, uh, Christmas card might be on the, the board at the back. We are letting our light shine and just trying to bless people and bring a little bit of hope and happiness. So that's the LICC front lines. The second thing is alternative gatherings. I'm going to have Ken Benjamin talk a little bit about that now. Thank you. 
pains and take seven fifths. Each of those in our case, for the people in our church who are running takes back instead of those people going to our main Sunday service. Now they're each only doing that once a month, and so we take the view that it's much more important that they're out doing that than to be with us that once in a month. They're with us for the rest of the time. But the aim is to, as I say, reach those people who foreseeably wouldn't be coming to our church, or more importantly, to, to any church. We try to keep those things as lightweight and low maintenance Just want to talk a little bit about that as we come to uh, an end. Um, I went to Chichester Baptist Church and I went, to, I went on a Sunday to have a look at one of those alternative gatherings. I went to their sports one, I took over a local sports centre and it was just full of parents with their children, huge number from their mum, mothers and toddlers group and uh, they were just at bouncy castles, table tennis out, there was football going on outside, there was a running group that went off for a run and came back. Then at halfway point, they had the half-time talk, which was a, they didn't apologise at all, they just preached the gospel for 15 minutes, and people just sat and they just heard about life and God and the good news about Jesus Christ. And then they go back and carry on with their table tennis and bouncy castles and football and stuff like that. Because we need to recognise, and we've talked about this before, is that what we do in here is never going to reach a large proportion of the people in this town. I met with a guy called Will Cookson, who's the Dean of Pioneer Ministry for the Southwark Diocese. That's Anglican, in case you're wondering. And he says that we need to recognise the traditional thought forms of outreach, that is preaching on the streets, knocking on people's doors, and inviting them to a Sunday service, that will only reach 10 to 11% of the, of the population. That means up to 90% of the population will not be reached by a lot of the things, most of the things that we are doing as a church. And the vast majority of people will not ever come to this service. And right at the beginning of this series, I, I asked the question that if we were starting again and we were creating something that was going to be suitable for, say, the people on Court Lodge, is this what we would have? And I think the answer is a resounding no. Now, what I like about Chichester Baptist Church is they have not diminished the importance of the Sunday gathering. They still have it. They still do church. But they recognise they need to do things differently in order to meet different people. Be it sports events, be it uh, mountain biking. He says it revolves maybe around you know, interests, so walking groups, but also around needs, you know, going into homes and sharing the good news, doing services, visiting old people, people who are housebound and bringing them communion. I mean, some of you might want to do that on a Sunday morning. Once a month, rather than come here, I'm happy to go out there. The reason we do it on a Sunday, because I can't get you lot to do anything uh, uh, the rest of the week. You know, you're already committed to a Sunday. Most people have already got that slotted into their diary. So actually, if you want to do stuff, we do it then. We do it then because you're really willing to do it. I spoke to um, the associate minister there, and he says, so, you know, what do you need? Do you need a special sort of person to lead these things? He says, well, what you need is three people who come together saying, we want to do this. If you just have one, that person's either going to burn out, or, they're going to, or when they leave, the whole thing just falls. You need at least three people who are going to say, this is what we want to do. 
And it's got to be missional. You've got to have that mission statement. This is why we're doing it. We're doing it for Jesus. We're there to, um, to help people about Jesus. Now, these things, you never talk about church, because church, if you're talking to someone who doesn't do church, well, they can't join in the conversation. They don't know about church, but you can talk about life and about Jesus. And the really important thing about these alternative gatherings, this is going to something that, that Will Cooks and the Dean of Pioneer Ministry said to me, it says, this is not about the minister, paid minister, doing this. This is about empowering you to do what excites you and what you're passionate about. He said, described it as, what will get you out on a wet January night? Ask yourself that question. What would get you to come out of your house on a wet January evening when it's dark and horrible? That's the sort of thing you should be doing. Because otherwise, I'm just trying to get you to do stuff that I want you to do. And I've discovered that doesn't work. I've come up with all sorts of great things we should be doing, and no one's really that interested. But there is stuff that does interest you. And there is, if you're giving everything you, you, you love to Jesus Christ, then Jesus can use those things. It all comes down to letting your light shine. What's your job? To let your light shine. That's all Jesus wants you to do. If you're starting with that, you can't go far wrong. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you have clothed us in righteousness. That you haven't, you've taken away that messed up muckiness of life. And you've changed our hearts, you've changed us on the insides. And that's changing who we are and what we do. We're so thankful for that. We thank you that you are transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Not through any effort of our own, but just through your Holy Spirit. We just pray, come Holy Spirit, come. We need more of you. More of you in our life. More of you in our hearts. More of you in our heads. So that we feel like you. We think like you. We do like you. It's only through your Holy Spirit filling us that we will shine your light. So just pray, let our light shine so people will see our good deeds and praise you. This isn't about us, Lord God. This is about you. So let our light shine. And as we go into 2020, I just pray that you will inspire us to do things in your name. That rather than doing things for ourselves, doing those things that interest for ourselves, doing our hobbies for ourselves, doing our work for ourselves, that we will do them for you and in your name and for your sake, so that we will let our light shine. And I just pray that we will see lights going everywhere. Lights switching on. People going from darkness to light. Because ultimately that's what we're here to do. To bring light and to spread light. So come Holy Spirit, come we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.